In my first assignment as a priest, about a week or so before Christmas, I came to my office and there was a giant box sitting on my desk. And it was fancily decorated, had things glued to it and glitter and all kinds of stuff. And it said, do not open until tomorrow. So the next, the, couldn't wait. Next day, I go up there, open up the package, tear everything off, open it up. And there's another wrapped package inside. Ribbons, things glued to it, drawn on it and everything. Don't open till tomorrow. And this goes on and on and on until we get down to about something about a little bit larger than a shoebox on Christmas Day. And it says, do not open till Christmas Day. So I open it all up. There's more uh, paper. There's more glued on things. There's more ribbons. There's bubble wrap. And, and the last package, there was this. There was a statue. If you can't see it in the back, it's the Virgin Mary holding the Christ child. That was, a, that was the final present on the final day. And I thought of that, that this is kind of what Christmas is like, I think. Or at least, I should say, this is what our celebration of Christmas is like. You dig through all the mess of Christmas, and at its heart, what you're going to find is the Christ child story. There's a lot of fear that we're losing the meaning of Christmas i, I got to say, it's, it's been kind of fun seeing so many of our college students home and hearing the different stories about what's been going on since they've been away, uh, left uh, at the beginning of the school year, especially those who are at Ohio State. One brought me back his, one of his papers that he wrote. He says, Father, I think you might like this. And here's a, just a quick segment of something that he wrote. Originally, Christmas was celebrated for the birth of the Christian God, man, and Savior, Jesus Christ. The festival was seen as a holy day. Christmas was therefore a time for celebration of the Mass and the permeation of the Christian vision throughout the entire community and feasting, games, song, and dance. But with the secularization of society and the Western civilization, the change in the vision of the people, Christmas time is now generally celebrated as a time for exchanging gifts and a paid holiday from work. If I had to be completely honest with you, I, 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 I don't think I entirely agree with them. I'm, I'm not so worried about the secularization of Christmas, and this is why. Here's a quote, another quote, that sounds both familiar but will be surprising. Everybody has forgotten the true religious meaning of Christmas. These days, it's all feasting to excess and dancing and decorating. You know who said that? St. Gregory of Nazianzus in the year 386. <laughs> Christmas, as celebrated by the entire church on December 21st, was re first recorded in the year 352. So it's, it's fair to say that the complaints about this holiday go all the way back almost to its very beginning. And the complaint has echoed out through all the ages. But there is something about Christmas that refuses to give up. Something powerful about the Christ child that refuses to be buried beneath the tinsel and the wrapping paper and the pumped-in music. Wade through the tangled lights and dodge the giant inflatables and the ugly sweaters. And you're going to stub your toe on the Christ child's crib. 
It's one of the reasons I so firmly believe in God. Despite all our efforts to drag this holiday down, it keeps popping back up. No matter how unprepared we are, no matter how poorly we've kept Christ in mind, there is something essentially good that rises from its depths. Because at the center of Christmas is not an idea, it's not a teaching, it's not a shopping catalog, but a person, a baby, God made man. And he will always shine through. He will take an imperfect celebration and bring goodness from it. He's going to take a fallen me. He's going to take a fallen you, an imperfect you, and begin to bring more beauty out of us. It begins molding us in the Christian message. And it's now, this Christian message is so much a part of our Western culture that we don't even know how radical it actually is historically. Now, what I would like to do now is give you some imperfect stories about how beauty and goodness shine through in our life. In three acts. I'm going to give you three acts. Act number one. A good friend of mine was a cook. Her name was Zita. And she was into antiques. And it was getting close to Christmas time. And she had a tree in her backyard that she had been tending to for years and years until it was going to be big enough finally to be chopped down and brought into the house and used as their Christmas tree. And as they were getting close to the day that this was actually going to take place, she had to go out and she told her kids, do not let your father chop down that Christmas tree. I will take care of it when I get back. Well, her husband, wanting to be nice, went ahead and chopped it down anyway and brought it in the house. And when he chopped it down, he chopped it down so that it was too tall to fit in the room. So he chopped off the top so it would fit. And she came home and said, what did you do? And said, I can fix it, I can fix it. So he chopped off the bottom and tacked the top back on. She says, okay, fine, fine, it'll be good. Then she went about decorating. Now, she doesn't just decorate. I mean, she went out and finds antique bulbs, antique uh, 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 strings of lights and everything. Huge, beautiful, expensive. And she was picking up the last bulb to put it on the tree. She was bent over, she said, facing away from the tree, picking up this last precious bulb when she started hearing this tingling. And she turned around, and here was the tree. It came crashing down in the dining room because when he put the tree back up, he forgot to fasten it on the bottom. And that's not the worst part. All that water came rushing out, and all that shattered glass, they didn't have subflooring, so it went in between the floor, down into the basement all over the freshly ironed new uh, laundry that was down there. Complete disaster. And she could have exploded. She could have turned Christmas into a greater nightmare than it actually was. But she chose the higher road. Family, marriage, peace, joy, the meaning of Christmas. She chose not the self, but the higher ideal, the call of the Christ child. Amidst all this mess, the spirit of Christmas comes through. Act two. 
The story I heard on the radio recently. There was a girl named Harriet, and when she was a little girl, her family was going through some lean times. When she and her sister went to open up their presents on the Christmas morning, she and her older sister noticed that they had the exact same present. It was the exact same size, exact same weight, everything. And they tore into them, opened it up, and they found out that they had black tissue, box, tissue dispenser boxes. Not a thing a kid gets excited about at Christmas. And she said she was about to burst into tears when she looked over at her older sister, who just had this beatific smile and how excited she was, holding the exact same black tissue dispenser. And she turned to her little sister and said, Harriet, do you know what this is? It was painted by trained monkeys. She said it became her favorite gift. She took it with her wherever she went. And when anybody asked her about it, she said, it was painted by trained monkeys. He said, no one ever challenged her on it. (laughs) And years later, years and years later, she was going through her sister's things. We call it snooping. And she opened up her diary. And she went to that Christmas day and read the entrance. And she said, When her sister was writing, when she opened up her package, she was so disappointed. And she looked over at her little sister and noticed that her eyes were welling up with tears. And then she looked over at her parents and saw that their eyes were tearing up because they hit on hard times. And they had a friend that made these tissue boxes, and they hated accepting charity, but they just had to. So she put on this face and told her sister that so that she would be happy. But then she went upstairs, and it said she cried. And she wasn't even sure why she was crying. She says, perhaps it was because I had to become an adult before I was really ready. This is not the perfect Christmas. But in charity and love, in the midst of something potentially sad and tragic, a sister became something beautiful and gave a great gift to her little sister, even in the midst of her own disappointment. That's radical Christianity. That's the message of the manger. Act 3. I had an aunt that I loved dearly, but she didn't go to Mass. And it always made me sad because I loved her a lot and I loved the Mass a lot. And I asked her one day why she didn't believe in God. And she said, if there was a God, there wouldn't be war. And I wondered about that for a very long time. In this imperfect world, there is war and terrorism, as we've seen in the news recently and such. Can we still see the message of God shining through even in that? Is it possible? Here's a more challenging story involving soldiers. We know as we sit here safely, there are firefighters and police officers and soldiers away from home and family, keeping us safe and allowing us to be here. I was walking around the property during the last mass, and I saw police cars driving around making sure that we were okay. Dr. Lee was an Air Force neurosurgeon volunteering in Iraq, and he took care of mass trauma victims after battles, and it didn't matter who they were when they came in for surgery. It could be a soldier, it could be a civilian, it could even be the enemy. And he would tend to their injuries with equal compassion. 
And once, three people came in during his shift at the hospital. One was a soldier with a severe head injury. The second was a corporal, uninjured, standing next to him. And he says to the surgeon, this is Lewis. He's my best friend. You have to save him. And then he pointed to the third person who was on a stretcher. He said, this person is an Iraqi sniper. He shot my friend. So I shot him to make sure he didn't shoot anybody else. The corporal was ushered out of the surgery, and they worked on both the patients. And at the end, the surgeon went out to talk to the corporal. And the corporal said, how's Lewis? He said, we have him stabilized. We've done all we can. Now we just have to wait and see. And he asked, how's the other guy? And before he could answer, there was a loudspeaker announcement that came on that said, they were low on blood. They need B negative. And the soldier stood up and he said, where are you going? He says, I'm B negative. I'm going to go donate my blood. And he said, I felt like I had to tell him, you need to know that that blood is for the guy that shot your best friend. And the soldier stiffened and with tears in his eyes. He says, people have done things for me that I don't deserve. I shot that guy, and now I can do something for him. According to the doctor, that man had lost 80% of his own blood. That meant the majority of the blood in his body afterward belonged to the soldier. This is not a perfect story. It's about the reality of our fallen nature. It acknowledges that there's still war and hate and terrorism and misunderstandings, and that this is a world that still needs a savior. But it's a world in which a man can give even of his own body for his enemy. If that isn't the message of Christmas, of Christ, of the Mass, of Christ's Mass Day, then I don't know what is. May the grace-filled blessing of this day follow you through an often unfocused, oddly celebrated, bumpy celebration and bring you the joy and peace of the divine infant.